Let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. It's where that conflict comes into our lives. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for your word that uh, teaches us, helps us to understand what we're going through, helps us to see the spiritual realm around us, gives us clear direction about what is right and what is wrong. But Father, we, we recognize today that the battle is within us, and we want, Father, your spirit to rule within us. We invite you to to speak to each one of us today, Father, right where we live, right where we're at, right where our spirit needs to be reformed. And let your convicting power be upon us. Let us truly be your family, loving each other, serving our community, serving our world in Jesus' name for your glory and your honor. We ask that in his name. Amen. Last week we talked about uh, redecorating our houses, how our houses get decorated and how we redecorate them as we mature and as things come into our life. We talked about how that relates to our spirit. If you missed last week or any week, you can always get online and, and listen to those, and I would encourage you to do so in this series. But we have, what, what we have here is we have a way of approaching the world, all of us do. You approach the world with a certain set of values. You approach it with certain influence from the culture. You approach it because of the way you were raised. Uh, you approach it because of people who've spoken into your life. We all have a way of approaching the world. And, and sadly, so much of that is what the Bible calls the works of the flesh. It's not really what we should have built into our life. But what happens is this makes things seem so natural to us that we just are comfortable with the way we react and the way we approach the world when really the way we act many times and approach the world are not only harmful to us, but they're harmful to other people. And yet we're so comfortable in them, we're so used to doing them that we just don't even, we don't see a way to do things differently. It reminds me of that animal fable that uh, uh, was presented probably back in around 1954, became very popular. Many of you have probably uh, read this fable. And it's, it's a fable about a, a scorpion and a frog. And the scorpion asks this frog if he will carry him across the river on his back. And the frog says, uh, no way, I'm not going to do that. I'm afraid that you'll sting me, that you'll kill me. 
But the scorpion argues, hey, if, if I did that, if I did that, then we would both drown. So the frog considers this for a moment, and being a nice frog and a good frog, he finally agrees to carry the scorpion across the river on his back. But midway across the river, the scorpion does indeed sting the frog. And as the frog is dying, and the frog realizes that the scorpion is also going to drown and die, the frog asks the scorpion the question, why? Why, why, why did you sting me? You, you, I'm going to die and you're going to die. We're both going to die. Why did you do that? And the scorpion replies, it's just in my nature. It's just in my nature. This is an, is an example of the acts of the flesh. It's just in our nature, in the sin nature of us, to do them. Even though so many of these acts, these, all these acts of the flesh are destructive, but we just do them. Many of the times we just don't know any other way. It's just how we react to the world. So you have a young woman and she's dating a young man that has no interest in God, no interest in the things of God, kind of a, you know, out there kind of guy. And he, but he promises her, hey, when we get married, it's going to all be different. It's going to all be different when we get married. What's he saying is, hey, carry me across the river and I won't, I won't sting you. But guess what's going to happen when they get out in the middle of the river? He's going to act out of his nature. He's going he's to live his life out of the nature that is ruling his life. And all of us, all of us have that nature that as we go through life, even when we want to do good things, we have a nature that we react out of. In a very practical way, when we invite God into our life, when we receive Jesus in our life to be our Savior and to be our Lord, he not only becomes this concept that we know about, but he becomes this presence that moves in our life to begin to change us. I want to encourage you today to open your heart not just to the concept of God, not just to the understanding that Jesus died for us, but to invite him in as a personal Savior to invite him into your life to begin to rewrite the nature of our life. When we ask Jesus to be our Lord, it's not simply a decision. It is a surrender of our lives. It is a recognition that we need a Savior for heaven because, and that we need a Savior now because we have a sin nature that rules us, that separates us from God and a sin nature that causes harm to ourselves and to others. So his spirit comes into our lives and when it does, conflict arises between the old nature, it's what we're talking about here in Galatians, and the one that the spirit would build in our lives. And until that happens, until we 
until we surrender to the Spirit moving in our lives, we act like the scorpion. We just act out of our nature. And it destroys relationships. It may destroy our health. It destroys our purpose. It destroys families. It breaks lives. Killing even that which we want to keep alive. And we say, why do we destroy these things? Why do we act these ways? The very things that we would protect and cherish, it's just because it's not, it's not that we want to destroy them. It's just that our actions of our lives are just coming out of our nature. Years ago, there was a, a couple, the, the man's since passed away, uh, that they were struggling. In fact, uh, they'd, they'd come to Calvary for a while and, and gotten, gotten married, and, and it, it had gotten really bad, and uh, they had separated. And uh, uh, to get away from him, she'd gone to another church, and he promptly packed up and followed her to that church. They went through several, he, he was making some really, really out of the sin nature decisions in his life. It was really a painful thing to watch. And, and uh, they were in and out of my office dozens and dozens of times trying to work through these issues, praying. And finally, I think they were separated for about the third time. And, uh, and, and you, you completely understood her decisions from the things that he was doing. He's a pretty manipulative guy. And uh, she's sitting in my office. She's really at her wit's end with him, ready to divorce him, to be done with this whole thing. And we're trying to just rebuild trust. Just rebuild trust. And I'm talking to her about, well, what, what's he doing? Well, at this point in time, he was calling her. They're separated, but he's calling her on the phone between 15 and 30 times a day calling her at work incessantly to the point that her boss had come to her and said, listen, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop receiving that call. Or, you know, he'd call through the, the, the office. Or he needs to stop calling here. Your job's in jeopardy if he doesn't stop. So she's really at this point of, wow, he's got to stop. And so we're sitting in the office, we're trying, like I said, we're trying to rebuild trust. And I just said to him, I said, look, this is, a, this is a simple way to rebuild trust. This is a simple way to begin. You've heard her state, you're driving her crazy with these phone calls. So we asked her, how often can he call you? Hey, listen, if he calls me once a day after work, once a day, I'll talk to him for 15, 20 minutes. If we put a time limit on, I will do that and we'll see if he can even do that. She goes, I don't think he can do that. And he sits in the office, he looks at me, he says, I swear I can do that. I will stop all the phone calls, I'll call her once a day. I'll call her once a day and that'll be it. So we come to this agreement and we're going to get back together in a week and we're going to see how it all goes. And they're not out of the office an hour until I get a phone call from her. And she says, he called the office again. I said, no, 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 we just left you. She says, no, since I've gotten back at the office, he called again. And so I call him on the phone. I say to him, you called again. Do you realize how much you've broken this thing by doing that? 
He said, I was just calling her to tell her I wouldn't call her anymore. I'm telling you what, friends, he was the scorpion in that moment. He was going to kill that thing, and he did kill that thing because he wasn't going to deal with the sin nature in him. He was going to continue to act out of the nature of the flesh and out of the nature of his life. Unless we're diligent, here's the warning, unless we are diligent to study the Word, unless we're diligent to listen to the Spirit, unless we're diligent to get around other believers that can speak into our life, we, don't, we, we have things that are so natural to us that we don't even pick up on them that they are not what the Spirit of God would have us to do. We're just walking around continuing to live in the fear, continuing to live with the manipulation, continuing to live with the reaction, continuing to live in the, out of the sin nature, destroying what we want to protect, and we don't even realize it. Now, when the Spirit moves in our life and begins to bring this conflict, uh, one of the first places that He works is He convicts us about actions in our life that are wrong. He may convict us about our language. He may convict us about our temper. He may con convict us about habits in our life that cause harm and destruction in our home, in our life. He begins to convict us of actions that are wrong, that we have to intentionally set aside and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't want that in my life anymore because God says it's wrong. He also begins to convict us and move in us in our interest, pushing us towards what is right. And these don't come in any specific order. They kind of come mixed together. That all of a sudden things that we should be doing, places that we should be going, we begin to get interested in them. Where before... Before, you had no interest in coming to church. All of a sudden, you say, I want to come to church. And you come with this mindset of, I want to learn. I want to grow. It's not just of, oh, i got to check off my religious box this week. It's, I am coming because I want to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to be around other believers. And I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to become more like Him. And so you come with a different attitude. And your interests become changed. Because the Spirit of God moves in your life. But the most dramatic way He moves in us is in, the, is in the nature of who we are. The way that we just naturally see the world, the way we naturally see others, and the way we respond in the world. Unless the nature has changed, even if you want to get to the other side of the river, even if you know your actions will kill the other person and you, we destroy what we should protect because it's just the natural way that we react in bitterness and manipulation and control of other people. So the Spirit begins to work to transform us. And I would dare say most of us have been in this place where somebody that 
says they love us is acting in ways that repel us. Have you ever been there? They say they love you. You probably believe they love you, but they want to, their flesh is trying to control you. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is a rewriting of our nature. This is a reprogramming of the way we respond in life and the way we see the world around us. This living or walking by the Spirit is a hard step, and it must be an intentional step where we cooperate with the Spirit, especially at first. The pathway to that is to examine the works of the flesh that we just read earlier and the works of the Spirit and set aside what may seem natural to us and to begin to walk in the way the Spirit would have us to walk. How many of you have ever roller skated in your life? Anybody ever roller skated? Raise your hands real high. Remember the first time? You go out and you strap on the skates and... You know, you get out on the rink, you're kind of stumbling around and you're holding on to the rail and maybe somebody comes up and says, here, take my hand and they're now pulling you around and you fall a few times. You see other people, they're just flying around the rink. They're just flying around the, the rink. And the person that's with you says to you, now, push off with one foot. And you're thinking, push off? How do I push off? My, my feet have wheels on them. How do I do that? But if you stay at it, before long you're doing a little better and a little better. If you go week after week, it's not long until you're clipping around the rink pretty good. Maybe not long until you start to experiment with things. Maybe you start learning how to skate backwards. And then you start try to learn, here's the trick, try to learn from going at a normal speed forward, they're just flipping around and going backwards. That'll get you down on your back end a few times right there. But before long, you put on those skates, and it feels more and more comfortable. Now, now here's the first step, though. You have to put on the skates. You have to try. If you just go on out to the rink with your shoes on and say, I can't do that skating thing, I'm just going to try to run around this rink with everybody and keep up with them. It won't be long until you're exhausted. It won't be long until you're, until you're, uh, you're falling down out there. You're going to wear yourself out and most likely trip others up along the way because you're not going to be able to function out on that rink running around on your own. So at first you lace up those shoes and you stand up and just standing there at first is the balancing act. And maybe you push off of the seat or somebody pulls you off and out to the rink you go holding on to that rail and shuffling around the rink. But you have to let go 
and begin to propel yourself if you're ever going to enjoy the experience. Spiritually, the first natural change that feels unnatural is a change in how we see the world. And it's just like when you get on it doesn't it doesn't feel right at first. You're kind of stumbling at it at first. Maybe somebody has to grab a hold of you and pull you along and say, listen, you've got to look at things differently now. You've got to see the world differently now. God's with us. He's here with us. He wants to change our life. He wants to change the world through us. But before long, if you begin to cooperate, it's going smoother and smoother, and you're getting it. You're getting it. The first place where this happens is with, 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 with what Galatians 5.22, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, is love. This is a major change. Now, I, I always feel compelled to say this whenever I talk about love because our culture in particular has warped the meaning of love into simply feelings. And so people talk about, well, I felt we fell in love and now I fall out of love. But that, that's not what the Bible's talking about here. I thank God for the feelings that we can have. But what the Bible's talking about here is a natural affection for others. A natural desire for other people's good. It becomes natural within us because the spirit of the living God, who is love, is ruling in us. And we begin to see people a different way. The spirit-led life leads us to see others with a sense of interest and care that comes from God in us. We see ourselves and others. I want you to capture this. As having been formed in the very image of God. Not just us, but others. Not just people who look like us or live around us or have the same interests as us. But all people have been formed in the image of God. Now we understand that all of us have corrupted that to some extent. All of us have messed that image up to some extent because of our sin nature. And we need a new nature in us. However, the spirit-led person sees themselves and others as a part of this great mosaic of humanity that reveals God and who he is in new and wonderful ways. All the things that make us different that have not been corrupted by the flesh, we begin to see them not as some perverted, strange thing, dumb thing, ignorant thing. We begin to see them as a reflection of who God is. Cultural styles, dress, dance, talents, music, race. All of these things are things that, that God has made us and wired us. And just like the makeup of the topography of the planet reveals the creativity of God, 
so do the people of the planet. They reveal God in all of his wonder and his nature and his creativity. All we need is Jesus to move in our life and to rewrite the spirit of our lives so that we walk a spirit-led life and a lot of problems are going to stop. Because the issue is what leads our nature. Listen, when you get saved, when you come to Christ, all of our tastes are not suddenly alike. We don't all suddenly start liking the same pizza place or the same food. He doesn't change the taste of what our favorite food is. All of our favorite foods don't become the same, and we, all, we don't all like the same flavor of ice cream. We don't all like those same things. He doesn't change the taste buds. He doesn't change what we taste, and there's nothing wrong with our taste being different. He, he doesn't change suddenly the way we want to dress. He may call us to be modest, which he does, but he doesn't change the way different styles go culturally, even in our, a culture like America or the cultures around the world. He doesn't call us and get us so that we all have the same haircuts and all of a sudden, you know, you come in here and everybody's hair's cut the same and then, you know, the next week you get saved and you go out and say, oh, i got to get my hair cut like everybody else. He doesn't change that inside of us. He doesn't change, you know, the, the type of music we like to listen to. He doesn't call us all to do the same kind of thing. Listen, he doesn't change our skin color so we're all the same color. No, God doesn't change any of those things. You know what he changes? He makes our natures alike. He transforms inside of us which doesn't make me line up with being a Western American. It makes me line up with being a Christ-like believer. And whatever all the other stuff is, if it hasn't been corrupted by the sin nature, somebody, somebody can actually love soccer. And somebody else may not care about soccer at all. Somebody may love baseball, and somebody else may not care about baseball at all. It, none of that's, it's just the differences. Listen, when God makes our nature alike, when the nature is alike, we see the differences differently. Instead of seeing them as off-putting, instead of us seeing them as strange, instead of us seeing them as odd, instead of us seeing them as different, as suddenly, instead of us seeing them as unapproachable, all of a sudden we see them as interesting. You know, I, I, I have the privilege to get to travel around the world from time, and boy, I, I love to go places where they're just, they just do things different than us. And as long as it's not a corruption of the flesh, it's a great and interesting thing to see the way the world, the way the world it reflects the great creativity and uniqueness of who God is. Just like as we sit here and we look at the plains of Illinois and we see the cornfields of Illinois and people come in here that have never been around it. I've had guys in my car from around the world going, I have never seen so much corn in my life. This is amazing. And then you go out to Colorado and you see the mountains. 
Or you go to, you go to Florida and you, you walk out and you see the ocean. Wow, the world is different. And it's all a reflection of the creativity of God. When he does that, when he moves in our spirit, we can celebrate and embrace the differences as long as we're still formed in the nature of the spirit. At the core of the spirit change is love, a change of our affection and our care for others, even our interests in others, and the way all of us treat others because it heals the stuff that puts other people down. It heals the stuff that makes us not like other people just because there's some natural differences between us. It heals all of that stuff and makes us a people who love. Friends, I want to tell you, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is selfishness. Being so self-centered and self-driven, self-motivated, that all we can see is life our way. I want to tell you, mankind has lost this fundamental concept. This, this call to love and have a natural affection that pushes us to accept the differences that don't conflict with the Spirit. Now, here's where many many well-meaning people get it wrong. They celebrate every difference no matter what. But we can't celebrate things that go against the the nature of, of Christ. We can't celebrate the things that are a part of the sin nature. But we need to learn how to separate the difference between what's just different and what is of the sin nature. We've all sensed this loss in our life. Some of you in this room today, you may have come face to face with the loss of the natural affection of a father who instead of being connected to the family has walked away from his family. The natural affection of a husband and a wife and you may have faced the breakdown of that in a husband or wife walked away, destroying by their actions what they should have protected, much like the scorpion. Many have felt the pain and the loss of the nature of the spirit, and because of that, the brokenness that comes from a child, destroying their life, even lying and stealing from their parents to do it, in a place where there should be great trust. We, some of us, sense those in great measure and have faced the pain of them. But we also sense this brokenness in smaller areas. When at night and you're driving down the street and you come to a stoplight and your thought goes to, are my doors locked? Have I locked my doors? You are sensing the brokenness of the world because we don't have natural affection for one another. When in the middle of the night you hear a noise in the other room and you think, did I shut the door? Did I lock it? Did I close the window? I better go check. Slight bit of fear rings through your spirit. You're sensing the brokenness of this world because of a lack of natural affection. When you're walking out to your car from a grocery store and it's dark outside, and you think to yourself, I better be aware of my surroundings. I better look around me and see what's coming around me. 
You're sensing this brokenness, this lack of natural affection that should leave the world at peace. But because it's brokenness, we have some fears. When you send your children out and you say to them, never go any place with a stranger. You have to say it. You have to tell them. But you're having to say that because there's a brokenness in our world because we don't have the Spirit of Christ in our lives. When the church has to put security people at the children's doors so that only those who belong in there can go in there. We all feel better about it. We all feel safer. It's absolutely necessary. But it's necessary because there's a brokenness in our world. A brokenness and where the sin nature rules. When a nation's conversation turns to metal detectors at school doors. They want to fix it all on the surface level. The real issue isn't what's on the surface, friends. The real issue is what's in the heart. We're talking about the brokenness of the world. These are signs of a broken nature. These are signs of a loss of love in a society, a loss of natural affection that looks at other people and sees other people with a sympathetic and open heart and a caring spirit. And we can see that all around us. But friends, we also have to look within us. We can recognize in the world, but do we recognize it within us? If you're carrying hatred for somebody, there's a brokenness. Oh, but they did this and they did Yep, they, they may be broken too. They may have been broken and they may have done terrible things to you. But when you carry that hatred, you're carrying that brokenness in your spirit. There may be bitterness in your spirit because of a betrayal, because of somebody's words or actions that ring in your heart. You may still be hearing a word that rings in your heart from when you were in high school or in college or the early days of a marriage that still rings through your life and rings through your heart and you're protective and defensive of all of those kind of things. They still hurt. It's the brokenness. The jealousy may be there. Another sibling got treated differently than I did. Another person has more than I did. Another person got a break I didn't get. There may be a lust in the spirit that looks on the flesh sexually and that objectifies other people. There may be a lust for drugs and alcohol that drives us to sacrifice our families and our reputations and our health. There may be a lust for things <clears throat> that, we, that we begin to seek after more than we seek after God. There may be a lust of power or position that, that makes us want to glorify ourselves to the point that we put others down and we destroy others. And all of these we can bring in and say, it's just the way I am. Maybe filled with envy, just the way I am. Instead of saying, listen, 
This is a part of the sin nature. This is a part of the old man. This is a part of what I used to be that I don't want to be anymore. God has a better way for me. And I can't, I can't change what other people do, but I can be changed. And I can crucify the flesh. Here's the question. Can I see the things that are in me that are still of the nature that will not only kill me, but destroy the relationships that I love and the people that I love? The true primary cause of the gospel for those who follow Christ are found in Matthew chapter 22 where the teacher, where, where, the te- where he asks Jesus, the, the lawyer asks Jesus, what are the, what, what's the greatest commandment? He says, you've got to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. It starts with this first one. When God is a concept, we wonder about him and we form him in our image and we think we're okay with God. When God is seen as a reality, we try to please him and we put on religious actions and we try to get ourselves as aligned with what we think is true as we can and we try to go through a works But when God is seen as a Savior, coming to rescue us, a healer coming to deliver us, we open our hearts to him, and he works in us to transform us. I'm not talking about transforming the food that you eat, the taste of your life, the clothes that you wear, the haircuts that you get. I'm talking about God moving within us to give us a nature that when we walk in those things, we walk in health. Our families begin to grow in health. Our friendships begin to grow in health. We begin to see things in a different way. We take the attacks of the world. We take the brokenness of the world. We take the things that the world throws at us differently than the world does because our nature has been changed. When we begin to grow in that in love, that makes, that makes the people and the needs of people around the world begin to surface in our heart. We see them with natural affection, an affection that changes our hearts and actions. And love compels us to act for the good of others. Love is a result of the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. And friend, if you study Jesus, you, you study his reaction in all situations, you'll discover the very nature of love. And when you open your heart to him and you begin to recognize that the bitterness or the hatred or the anger or, or the lust, whatever it is in your heart, they're not your friend. They're your destroyer. And you begin to open your heart to the pathway of Christ. He'll change your nature. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Just take a moment and bow your heads for a moment. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray for those here who 
have tasted the pain of the fruit of the nature of the flesh from others who've acted out of that nature and have not been what they should be to us. And because of it, our lives have been touched by it in painful ways. I pray that right now, Father, across this room, that once again this Sunday, that you'd let us see that. You'd let us see the fruit that's grown in us because our nature hasn't been fully formed in you. And Lord, today I pray you'd heal us of some of those feelings, of those thoughts. Father, the fruit of those things that now spills into other people's lives. Heal us of those things. Father, I also pray in this moment that you'd help us to look inside of our own lives. And Father, see the things that are in us that, Father, are a reflection of the sin nature ruling within us. And that your healing process just begin in the lives of every believer who longs for you. Let us see it clearly, Father. Let us know it. Let your transforming work take place in our lives. Father, do these things in us, we pray in Jesus' name. So every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, the first step of this is, friend, is, is you've got to recognize your great need for Christ. It's great to look at the world and say the world has need of healing, but that healing doesn't start by a new law at Congress. That healing doesn't start by a, a new television program or a new a cultural feeling. That feeling, that, that starts when our hearts get healed. And we recognize our need for Christ, our need for him for salvation, for here and for eternity. That's when hope can begin to grow inside of our lives. If you're here today and say, Pastor, today I want to cross this line. I want to put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. I haven't done this or I've wandered from it, but today I know I need to have him begin to heal my life and move in my life. And I want to, be, I want to know I'm saved today that he's rescued me. If that's you, would just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me in Jesus' name. Just looking across this place, is there anyone here who's say, Pastor, I need, to, I need to make that response to him today. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Others today, you're ready to cross that line of faith and say, yes, I, I want to follow his way instead of my way. Prayer teams, would you come on down to the front, please? Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to heal me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my trust in Him to be my Lord. And now I ask you to help me to live for Him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you know how I love this congregation. And I know how you love this congregation. Lord, I just pray you not let us be like that scorpion 
that acts out of our nature and destroys the very things we're to build. Destroying our families, destroying our lives, destroying the world around us because we're walking in the nature of the flesh. But let us, Father, be a part of the radical answer that you bring to this world and the suffering of this world. And let us be in people who are ruled by your Spirit, transformed. Let us become healers in this world because you've healed us and you move through us. So, Father, I thank you for this congregation. I pray you'd let us see any place in our own lives where the old nature still rules and where we need to fully surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we're going to sing a, a song here. And as we sing it, if you have any need for prayer in your life, maybe you're struggling with hatred for somebody. Maybe you're struggling with bitterness from something in your past. Maybe you've got something you say, I just need somebody to pray with me today. Maybe you've got a healing issue. Maybe you're one that raised your hand a moment ago. Whatever it might be, don't leave this place before you pray with somebody. Step out, come down, and let somebody pray with you. God bless you.